0: You're listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. Hi, uh, we are the DuPals. I am Jason, and this is my wife Kristen and Penelope, Liam, Gemma. This is Lennox in my arm. That's Phoebe. All right. The Advent passage for this morning is Romans 15, 8 through 13 Again, Isaiah says the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises true of the Gentiles and him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hope, love, and joy are only truly found in Jesus, and it's only through him that we can have true peace. As we celebrate his birth, let us also celebrate the peace that he offers to everyone who believes in him and follows him as a disciple. Do you want to say merry christmas? Merry Christmas. Thanks you guys. Well, merry Christmas everybody. Thank you so much for being here. I don't know about you, uh I needed this this morning, right? Uh, I know that, that in the midst of, uh, of celebrating today and what today is all about, there's, there's just been a lot of, I've talked to a lot of people, there's been a lot of chaos, it seems, in the past week. Some of you, are you're here, but you're not happy to be here, not because somebody dragged you to church, maybe that's the case, but, but because you're supposed to be in another state, you're supposed to be with other family members, and all of the weather just kind of threw that all out of whack, and so there's this stirring this morning about, I should be with them. We don't have to do with ourselves. we frozen burritos for lunch, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, there are some that I've talked to also this week that, that I know that, that the holiday season, th- this is hard right now because maybe in the last year you've had to deal with just other family issues, maybe someone who's normally with you uh, at Christmas is, is now, you're separated from them, and it's been tough just uh, whether they've had to go to a home, maybe you're watching today from television, and you wish you could be here, and so there's just a lot of stirring that, that's going on in our souls and our hearts, maybe you've lost a loved one, and this is your first Christmas without them. And we come to a a day like today, and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, which is absolutely worth celebrating, and and in it, as today, we'll talk about that He brings peace on earth. And for a lot of us, we're going, so where is it? Because I'm not, as Pastor Ethan said, I'm not feeling it today. How many of us today would say, man, I I would just settle for five minutes of peace in my house, right? I, I would... Uh, just settle for 10 minutes of peace of mind. Maybe you snuck out of the house, you left all the in-laws at home so that you could have some peace uh, this morning. Uh, But do we understand it? Today, uh, that's all I want to do. I want to look at a very familiar psalm as we've had this theme of a vintage Christmas about looking back, but yet at the same time, in the looking back, we look forward. This promise that God had given us in His Word of salvation, but not just salvation, but what comes along with it, hope, joy, love, and today especially peace. Psalm 23 is is typically a passage that we read and we take a look at for a funeral, but today we're going to look at it uh, on a birthday. And we're going to celebrate who Jesus is and what it is that He's done for us so that we can understand that today we can receive peace, meaning we can live with peace and find it truly. A lot of times when we talk about peace, our minds do go to, it's just an absence of commotion is really what peace is. That's just what I wish in my life when in reality what, what true peace is. Peace that we find in Christ alone is actually not the absence of commotion, but it's It's the presence of serenity. It's what we receive rather than what we block out. Biblical peace is shalom. It's a wholeness. It's God's design for us, for us to be complete, full well-being within ourselves, within our soul, within relationships with others, and most importantly, in our relationship with God as the Father. And that's what His desire is for us. That's what came to us. In Emmanuel, God with us. Completeness, wholeness, everything that we needed. Peace is not something that can be achieved. You can't listen to enough calming meditations on some app before you go to sleep at night or or listen to enough music to create peace. Peace cannot be created. Peace came, was given to us in Christ alone. And so this morning, as we look at Psalm 23, I want us, as we read through this, to to also focus on why we're here this morning, to celebrate the coming of Christ. Let let me just, I don't want to read the entire Psalm because I don't want us to get ahead of ourselves. So let me just take a a couple of verses and then we're going to unpack it a little bit on how to receive peace. But as we begin, let's just bow in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. I just give you incredible praise for all that You have done already. Thank You, God, for, for children, the joy that they have, uh, the, the, just the um, willingness to just let go in worship, to lead us well. Thanks for using them, God. Thanks for them being here. Thank You for this time that we could gather together as friends and as a church family to just worship You. For these next few minutes, God, I pray that You would Lead and guide my words, that they would sink deep into our hearts, our souls, our minds, that we could leave here truly knowing the Prince of Peace. Amen. So, Psalm 23 is written by David. Many people know this really well. It begins The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. I found myself uh, leading into the month of September in preparation uh, for uh, a three-month sabbatical that our leadership uh, uh, had given to me, which I'm extremely grateful for. But uh, around August, it really started to stir in my gut. Uh, I got a lot I got to get done before I, I, I step away. And a lot of meetings with a lot of staff who, by the way, have done a fantastic job. I said the greatest thing that you could do for me to give me rest is you guys just plan Christmas, and they did a fantastic job. It's been such a great season. I love our staff that we have here, and and uh, but again, along with it is I got to make sure I got get everything done, right? All the Ts crossed and the Is dotted. And at the same time that I was doing that, I was making my list of all the things that I was going to do in my 12 weeks that I had off. Oh man, the house projects that I had listed. And I've got an old... Volkswagen bug in my garage that I was going to, you know, get to work on and maybe even take some welding classes so I could learn how to really uh, fix that car up. And I'm going to do some traveling and I- I'm, I'm going to read all of these books. And I had all these plans for all the writing that I wanted to get done. Uh, and what I found in myself is that toward the, uh, the beginning of, uh, of my sabbatical time, as uh, just uh, again, um, about 17 years here at, at Century, uh, and realizing that, that I was causing myself a lot of stress and strain and anxiety by just, like a lot of us, by just filling up my schedule. Uh, because as so many of us are wired, the, the f- more full our schedule is, the more important we are, we tell ourselves, right? Uh, the more valuable we are. I don't want to say no to anybody. So absolutely. Whatever you need, like I'm all in. Get myself into a lot of trouble. And I found myself with more anxiety than I had ever had. And and then I moved into my sabbatical and started to realize as I looked at all the things I wanted to do. That first morning I woke up. I'm like, oh man, I was up early. All right, what am I gonna do first? And then I realized. There's no way in the world that I'm ever going to get all this done. And, and I was paralyzed by it. And then I sunk into like this depression of, uh, I, don't even, I don't even know if I want to start any of it now. It was a really difficult first few weeks for me. For somebody who's wired with accomplishment means I'm a somebody, right? It gives me my identity. And now all of a sudden, I was finding myself not accomplishing much of anything at all. So who am I? It led me back to the Word. And I, I, I got up one morning and I took a look at Genesis 2. It was just really the only thing that I had in me. And I wanted to look at what did it mean in Genesis 2 when it said that God created the world and then He rested. Because that's what Sabbath sabbatical is all about it's a reflection it's given to us by God to say hey, take a break we're not that great at it as Americans our culture and our society and in my study it didn't it didn't take long I didn't have to spend days studying it because I just went back to the word rested God rested it means he ceased he ceased creating And it was in that moment that all of a sudden I just felt like a giant breath uh, in my lungs. Uh, And kind of this new lease on life of just saying that's what you're going to do on sabbatical. You're going to cease. You're going to stop trying to accomplish. And you're going to trust that the work you've done has been good enough and that God's got the rest of it. And He'll do a work in you because that's Ultimately, that's what I needed. More than another long list of accomplishments, I needed uh, no list of accomplishments. I needed to know that all I was able to do was just to rest, that that my three months could end uh, and and I could, with confidence, when people... I mean, that's just the question that I get get asked. I'd be out at the mall or at the grocery, people would say, hey, what are you doing for your sabbatical? Right? That's the question that we... That we would ask and i don't fault anybody for it because that was it was i wanted to give my list and i felt embarrassed like this is going to be pretty embarrassing but not doing anything right where did you travel we went to a few places with you know some friends and did some stuff for uh, our conference and that but but i but i didn't go a lot of places i didn't run ragged i stayed home and drove my wife and daughter nuts you know You're still here? Don't you have something to do? But I just got to get out and to rest. And I will tell you, the weight that was lifted off of me just by stopping, by not doing, shifting my source of satisfaction from my own hands to the One who saved my soul, replenished me, restored me, and gave me rest I ceased feeling less than if I didn't get anything done. And it's in the ceasing that, that really the Lord filled me up, or I should say began to teach me what it is to trust in Him. Still working on it. It was really difficult to come back in and, and not want to hit the ground running and pick up on, i got to make up for not being here for three months. But just to trust in the Lord, who reminded me of who I was, helped me to deepen some relationships, make some connections that I had let go because of my schedule, and and He drew me closer to Him. I'm still a work in progress. I don't have it all figured out, um, but I trusted in the One who is my Shepherd, who led me beside still waters. And who restored my soul. And that's what this is all about. He's the one I follow. But not just the one that I follow. He's the one that I trust. The trust comes before the following. I have to trust that He has my, my best intentions at heart. That wherever He goes, wherever He leads, that I can just follow. I shall not want, David says. In other words, what he's saying is, I'll just stop being concerned. Ultimately, that's what it means. I'm a sheep. Now, I don't know much about sheep, but, but I don't think that a sheep wakes up every morning like, well, I should really read my vision statement, you know, and, and my, how I'm going to live my life and, you know, my goals for the day. Nah, their job is just to wake up and go, okay. And they just listen for the voice of the shepherd. And when the shepherd says, come, or he starts walking, they just go that way. And they don't They aren't saying, boy, I really wish this guy would pull over so we could get something to eat or get a drink. When the shepherd decides that it's time, then it's time. And and a sheep doesn't look around and go, hey guys, there's no grass here. Guys, hey, somebody grow some grass. That's not what happens. They just follow the shepherd until the shepherd says, here you go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the life of a follower Uh, of jesus we don't look for more we don't desire more our role is to rest in the fact that whatever the shepherd wants for us he'll give us whatever comes our way is from the hand of the shepherd whether we think it's good or whether we think it's bad we have to trust the good shepherd if he's led us here there's purpose and there's meaning i mean think about that a sheep doesn't actually know like where he's headed is he going off to sail Is he going off to get sheared? Is he going off to the butcher? Right? Some of it's good. Some of it's really bad for the sheep. But the sheep's job is not to decide what's good or what's bad for him. It's just, if this is what the shepherd has for me, then I'll follow him. Wherever he's going to lead. Resting. Resting. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Everything I need is here. Resting doesn't mean that you get lazy. It doesn't mean that you just stop caring about life. It means you rest in the fact of knowing that He's got His plans for you. It really means to stop believing the lie that, that more activity is going to bring wholeness to your soul, is going to bring peace. To add to it, Jesus comes along centuries later after David writes this psalm and he makes this proclamation. In John chapter 10, verse 11, what does he say? He says, hey, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one that that you'll follow. And in the context of Jesus saying that to his disciples over and over and over again, he lets them know, he says, I will always lay my life down for my sheep. I will do whatever it takes to care for you to get you where you need to go, to give you what it is that you need. How many of us need to understand and then rest in the fact and accept it that if Jesus was willing, first of all, to leave the glory of heaven and to come down to this earth, to be raised by flawed humans, to be surrounded by crazy friends all of the time that never really understood who He was, to be rejected by people, and then to give His life on a cross. That if He was willing to go through all of that, do you not think that He values each and every one of our lives enough to make sure that that we're provided for, that we have exactly what we need to live the life that He's called us to live? The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.19 says, Our God will supply all of our needs. And He says, according to His riches in Christ Jesus. That's all we need. Are we willing to trust it? Our greatest need right now in the world that we're living in, we probably would all agree, is peace. I need need a wholeness. I need... a a right relationship with the Father. I need relationships to be mended with, with some family members and some friends. I just need this world to just be quiet and settle down. Shalom, that wholeness was broken when Adam sinned. Labor and toil became a result of sin in our lives. We need a break from the rat race and the chaos On the outside, but also that's going on in our own minds, in our own souls. The noise of our culture and the the interior worry of what tomorrow holds. And David says, the good shepherd leads me beside still waters. It means waters of rest. Places where we can just sit down and we don't have to worry about anything because everything we need is right there in front of us. Sometimes I think, even for me as a sheep, being put beside the waters of the oasis, uh, I have everything I need. Whoa, whoa, whoa! But but what if the water dries up? We should drink as much of it as we can right now. Right? Well, what if somebody gets in it and they pollute it and they make a mess? What if the climate changes and all of the water freezes up? we got to we got to go. we got to go find more. Make sure that we have our future taken care of. But the good shepherd says, that's my job. My job is to worry about where you're going to get your next drink. My job is to worry about where you're going to get your next patch of grass. My job is to take care of your needs. Your role is to just follow me. Listen for my voice and then follow me wherever it is that I lead you rest in that only the shepherd knows what the sheep need tomorrow and the next day and, and he gives us what we need today this is what you need today let me worry about tomorrow how many times in a season of dryness worry fear our response is to what to work harder to save more More activity to create, to go looking for pools, to sit beside, to try to find peace. Thinking that it's going to give us peace. And we learn very quickly, this is so temporary. It's not fulfilling. Can we trust Jesus that He's exactly what we need? He gives us exactly what we need. And then just cease, just rest in that. Psalm 62.1 says, Truly, my soul will find rest in God, for my salvation comes from Him. And that's all we need. That's the goal. Because rest is only a means to an end. What we really need is restoration, wholeness, purpose in life. We find peace uh, not just... Uh, in our rest but also in a refocus verse 4 says even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me he is going to lead us down the right paths he says that I'll lead you down the right paths everywhere that we go everywhere that Christ takes us everywhere that God wants us to go is right because that's all that he does that's all that he knows how to do Our role is to follow Him wherever it will be, even even in the scary moments of life, which so many of us unfortunately have the opportunity to walk through on a regular basis. The valleys of deep darkness, even though you take me there, I will fear no evil, David says. I'll fear nothing because you've got the rod. You've got the staff. You're the one in charge so I'll trust it and I'll just keep following you. The bigger question that we have to ask ourselves and convince ourselves is, like I said, is we need to believe that we're, we're valuable enough to the shepherd, that he's not going to lead us into a dark place and then let us go. Scripture tells us in 2 Peter 3.9 that it's His desire that none of us would perish. He's got us. I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. we get lost in that darkness, we panic. We try to manufacture safety for ourselves. What we need to understand from... From this is just because we're believers, just because we are His followers of Christ doesn't mean that, that we're not going to go through dark times, right? That's what David says. You will lead me through the dark valleys. But what we need to understand from that is He's taking us there, right? Well, we, we want to shake our fistic out. Where are you in the midst of it? He goes, well, I'm right here. I got you here. It might seem as though I'm not there because it seems so dark, but, but I'm the one that's leading you not just into it, but I'm going to lead you through it. Because there's something better coming on the other side, which we go back to. What's on the other side? Better water, stiller waters, greener grass. So follow me. Because we're going to get there together. Our role is, is, is honestly, it's not to, hey, stay calm during the difficult times. Our most important role is to realize that in the midst of the darkness, we're benefited by the presence of the Good Shepherd. That He's there with us at all times. What's significant about David's words here is that they go from being about God, right? All of a sudden... When he, in the first three verses, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. All of a sudden it becomes, for you are with me. It's no longer for He's with me. David this is not my, my prayer that I have to say. I have to believe it. I have to tell you that I believe it because I'm in the dark times. And I don't just need to remind myself, but God, I need to make this commitment to you that I'm trusting you for where you're taking me and how you're leading me. I will fear nothing because you're with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He begins this psalm with talking about why he should have peace to a confident prayer to God about why he does. In that short amount of time. And a lot of us need we need we need that that refocus, don't we? It needs to go from from what I what I read about God, what I know about God, to actually letting it sink into our souls. I'll move my feet. Right? Action is to follow him wherever he leads. The final two verses, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's in these final two verses that the picture changes. It goes, David goes from from God, you are my shepherd to now what? You are an incredibly good host. Sinks in really well, Christmas time, right? Some of you were here and you left one family member at home because they're making all the Christmas lunch, right? They're, they're getting ready to have everybody over. Maybe you are just like, would you just be quiet? Let's go. I just came to have my kid in the choir. We got to get going. I, I got a lot of people I'm going to host today because we want to be a good host. And that's what David says. You're not just a good shepherd that leads me, but you're also one that sets the table before me in the presence of my enemies, in the dark times, it, when, when I'm surrounded by people that are coming after me, uh, you grant peace. And you bless. And there's this incredible trust in God. Not just trust, but, but there's a joy in it as well. David is excited. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. When I'm surrounded by those that maybe want to harm me, not just humans, but but the evil one, when it seems like the times are dark, whatever it is, he says, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to see what good things you do, God. It was typical in in David's day, in biblical times, that when you welcomed a guest into your home, we know this from just uh, reading Scripture, that, that the host would make sure that Your your feet would be washed. Your hands would be washed. And if you were a really good host, you then would take an anointing oil and you would pour it over the head of your guests to welcome them in your home. And you would serve only the best food. The most expensive that you had on hand. And as well, the finest of wines. And you would keep that cup full. And David says... God, you surpass all of this. You don't just prepare a table for for me and my friends, but you prepare a table for me and my enemies. And, And you give me all the best and my cup overflows. You just keep giving me good things. The question for us this morning is to ask, have I allowed myself to be in a position to receive all of this. God is a really good host. How good of a guest are you? Are are you ready to receive all that He has for you? David lives with confidence. He says, surely, goodness. It's one of the, uh, the most mentioned attributes of God in all of Scripture is how good He is starts with the creation story that everything He creates is good exactly the way that He wants it to be. Good is the only thing that God can do. His best. And that's what David trusts. God, I'm just trusting that whatever happens in this life, You're going to give me Your best. Whatever it looks like for me, whatever emotions it stirs up in me, I'm going to trust that since You're good, that You're only going to give me Good, Whether I understand it or not, my job is to remain in it. Charles Spurgeon writes that God's good not because He causes things that seem or feel good to happen in our lives, but because in the midst of the storm, He comes closer, closer to us than the storm ever could. That's peace. His presence. And David says along with it comes mercy, or a never-ending love. And so his response is, That's what I want for the rest of my life. That's what I want for my family. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's not just talking about eternity. It's talking about today. You prepare a table before me. My cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil, meaning that you see me as valuable. And so why would I go chasing anything else anywhere else? other than in the house of the Lord. Not talking about a church building, but in the presence of God. So as a sheep, I will stay on your heels. And every time you call my name, I will come. There's a fact that today is Christmas, the day that we focus on and celebrate that Christ was born. We spend a lot of time focused on that, but but I just want to conclude uh, with with just telling you the state of the world that Jesus was born into, because we think, oh, it's never been worse than now, right? Our, our world that we live in is just absolutely awful. But in the world that Jesus was born into, it was a really dark time. The written word wasn't there for people to carry around and to trust. They had to maybe go to the synagogue to maybe look at a few scrolls or whatever they had memorized, whatever had been taught, but God had not spoken through His prophets or to the people in over 400 years. Talk about darkness. We know that there's a promise, that there's a Messiah that is coming, but it's probably time we maybe give up on that dream, give up on that hope, because... It's gotten brutal. Uh, God's people, the, the nation of Israel, wasn't, they weren't feeling a whole lot like God's people. As over those 400 years, the Roman government had come in and oh, oppressing them. They had a king that was ruling over them that was a tyrant. It was so fearful that somebody was going to take over the throne that he just killed his own family and, and just wiped out anybody that would rise up against him. Not to mention, along with it, the church, if we want to call it that, wasn't doing a great job of encouraging people. They were doing a fantastic job as the religious leaders of discouraging people. Because they really, as the religious leaders, kind of became pretty good partners with what was going on in the government and found out that we can make some money by being the religious right. Uh, but the only way that we're going to be able to stay here is to make sure we hold everybody else down. So, so let's just tell people that they're never going to be good enough. That they got to keep trying to try to earn God's blessing, to try to earn God's love, but they're never going to be like us. Imagine imagine just being an average uh, member of society in the nation of Israel, in the world in those days. It was dark. There wasn't any hope. Other than what you had been told your entire life as a good young Jewish child to just hang in there. Because God has given us a promise that a Messiah is coming. All they had was to trust the past and the words of the prophet Isaiah. Who said, the people walking in darkness will see a great light. And it will increase their joy. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. and His name will be called the Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The Prince of Peace. That's what everybody was crying for. Isaiah said, and his peace will know no end. Well, the day had come, Christmas Day, Jesus was born. The angels show up to who of all people but the shepherds. And they make the proclamation over them glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace and goodwill. God's goodness has now come to man. And it's Jesus. And when Jesus came, He didn't come and bring along with Him peace. As we've been talking about all throughout the Advent season, Jesus didn't come and then along with Him, is oh, now we can have joy. Or Jesus didn't come along and, and along with Him bring hope. Jesus is hope. He is our joy. He is love. And He is peace. We don't have to cry out to Jesus, Jesus, please give me peace. We say, Jesus, thank you for being my peace. Help me to trust that. I think that impacts when we we sing that song at Christmas, Silent Night. It's this peaceful moment that comes over us as we sing about it. Not because of a scene that was set, was but because it's like a breath of fresh air. He's here. Finally, the world can cease. It can rest. In knowing that the Good Shepherd is here and He's got this. Isaiah 26.3 begins, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you. This morning, as we go from here, as we celebrate this incredible day, let's just keep our mind fixed on Jesus. Jesus told His disciples, look, in this world you're going to have trouble, but I give you my peace. And, And this is how He explains what it is, that where I am, you will be also. If we know Jesus, wherever we are, there He is. We have peace. Receive it. Accept it. Live into it. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. God, we know that your word, it all works together. You've given it to us so that we could know you more, know how to live our lives, and to see the message of salvation in all of it. Today, we could have picked any text from any book, any chapter, God, and... It all points to what today is all about, the Savior. Thank You for not just what You've given to us today through Your Word, but now what You're going to do through us. As we go from here, Father, whatever situation we find ourselves in, may we trust that every step of the way that You are leading us. Amen.